What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the WIS Sports Desk. I'm Chris Stafford and you're listening to Season 3, Episode 37. We're recording this on October the 18th, 2021, and alongside of me is my co-host, Nancy Gillen, who is in London. I'm, by the way, in Virginia, so she's the other side of the pond. And Nancy, how are you this week? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, getting a lot darker here and definitely starting to enter winter. So, yeah, the pros and cons to that, I think. Obviously, winter sport, but then... Not a fan of cold and dark, so <laughs> right, especially for your running. Well, speaking of, of of winter sports, we're going to get right down to winter sports already uh, this week, uh, as we're being joined by Peggy Shin uh, from TeamUSA.org. Peggy, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's great to be back. I always enjoy speaking with you. Well, you know, the last time we talked, it was all about the Summer Olympics, wasn't it? And you going to Tokyo and and. All of that, that just seems, I'm sure, like a long while ago now, doesn't it, now that you're preparing for Beijing? It does, but it also seems close because I think a lot of what we learned and what we did in Tokyo is going to apply to Beijing, uh, when it, particularly when it comes to being in a bubble. Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how different your experience is from Beijing, from Tokyo, now going to Beijing for those Winter Olympics, which are in February. Um, but meanwhile, we're about to kick off in a week's time. Solden in Austria is the first first race of the World Cup season. It's upon us almost momentarily. Uh, do you get excited like I do? Am I just a kid at Christmas? I do get excited, but at the same time, it sneaks up on me. You know, there's still fall foliage. I still have flowers blooming. And then all of a sudden you look at the calendar and you're like, oh my gosh, Solden, I have to switch my brain to skiing. So uh, I do get excited, but um, it always catches me by surprise. And you can look out your window and see uh, some t tops of those mountains covered in snow already, some snow cups. Just a little bit, and I think they'll be blowing snow for the Killington World Cup soon. Oh, isn't that exciting when we start to talk about that? <laughs> yes. Uh, but as I said, we start with Solden, and I know that there was a, a summit, a media summit um, last week, and I actually have a clip from Michaela Schifrin that we'll play in just a moment and getting her reaction to the pressure of um, the both World Cup season starting and preparing for the Olympic Games. But give us your um, take so far. What What's the scoop on the White Circus? 
Well, from what I've heard and from what I've observed, and granted, my observation is still pretty much coming from my home here in Vermont because we still can't really travel anywhere, uh, is that things are a little bit more back to normal. Uh, people were, skiers were actually able to get on snow quite a bit this past spring and summer. Uh, it might not have been in their typical locations of, you know, New Zealand or Chile, but they were able to get on snow. So it just sounds like everybody was training a little bit more, quote unquote, normally. Uh, I think that will benefit everybody going into the season uh, with confidence. I think last season we went in going, you know, we haven't had the same training. We don't know what the season's going to be like. Our race is going to be canceled. So I think we're sort of, we've sort of settled into the, what you might call the COVID groove. And there's a little bit less uncertainty or we're just kind of going with the uncertainty. Um, I think a lot of the talk is around Michaela Schifrin and um, the fact that she was able to have more of a normal uh, uh, preseason and that she is skiing speed events again. So we can look forward to seeing her in some super G's and downhills. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, she is such a slalomist, isn't she? That, um, she's going to have to choose uh, where she races and not just for World Cup and then for the Olympics as well. She did say something about that if she wasn't one of the top four fastest girls, she wouldn't make the the cut uh, in, in Beijing. Um, give us a sense of, of what else she said at that uh, summit, um, what your take was from, from, from her, given the awful year that she had last year, having lost her father. Right. Oh, gosh, she said so much in that summit. Every time she speaks, there's so much content in what she's trying to convey to her fans. Uh, she sounded like she had found her motivation for skiing again, um, although it still was, you know, she's still struggling with the 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 same things we're struggling with with COVID, but also, you know, she's lost her father. And I think that's always going to be a big void in her life. Um, but she is excited to start the season, excited to race all events. I will be interesting to see if we see her in any parallel events, but I thought it was most interesting that she said she would like to ski all five individual events at the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And, but she would value a an overall world cup win over olympic medals if she had to choose that was my takeaway from that from what she said yeah i think that's interesting isn't it you know and and the uh she, she had a uh, her own description of the olympics you know for what it is it's just just a different kind of show that you know that is what is what was the word she used for it i wish i could remember now but she had a way of describing it as just being an unusual event basically it's 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 you know because the form can be so unpredictable too kind of when you come off the world cup and it's the same with summer sports too Right. And I think she used the word luck. Like, I think luck plays a lot more into the Olympics than it does in World Cup races. Um, you know, for, you might have a, a skier breakthrough or have a lucky day in a, World, in a World Cup race, but you tend to see that more in the Olympics. They tend to be on hills that uh, skiers aren't familiar with. It's the first time they will have raced on these courses in Beijing. Um, and the, 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 the format is... You know, you do you know, at world championships, you might have races back to back, but they're a little bit more forgiving at the Olympics. They're trying to fit in all these events, you know, hockey, snowboarding, luge. So the schedule can get messed up. So, you know, you might be favored to medal in all the, she might be favored to medal in all the events, but if they're held back to back to back, gosh, that's going to be 
a pretty big load to lift. And mm -hmm. I think like we saw in Pyeongchang, she won't race in all events if they end up being back to back to back. Um, and because so much luck goes into play at the Olympic Games, I think that's why she said she would value an overall World Cup trophy more than an Olympic medal, mm -hmm. because she doesn't like her skiing based on luck. She's always valued the hard work that she puts in. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, let's just hear what she said um, when she was asked about the, the pressure that's put on her when she's going into these bigger events. There's a certain amount of almost psychology involved when you have dealing with your personal expectations, which I've talked about, like low expectations, high standard, and that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, in a really high pressure situation, especially when you're tired and it's something you really care about, it's hard not to have your own expectations, but also feel expectations from like the whole world and everybody around you, literally anybody who's not you. And that could even be the people who are closest to you, your team, your coaches, your family, people who you, you would never like normally consider to be like pressure adding individuals, but that's just kind of the way that pressure works is like, you care about opinions of other people and you very certainly care about opinions of the people who are the closest to you and working with you on a daily basis. So um, whether it's a media or it's, or it's coaches or it's teammates or it's any number of friends or whatever, or just my own expectations, those, those are going to be there. And on a day-to-day -day basis, I feel that weight to varying degrees. So uh, I've learned to kind of expect that, that there's like ebbs and flows to the pressure or nervousness or even anxiety that I feel. Um, and to hopefully, you know, take that as it comes and not, not feel like I have to shy away from it. Um, having said that, feeling pressure is extremely uncomfortable. I mean, you look at the Tokyo Olympics and so many athletes walking away from there, um, you know, Caleb Dressel co being quoted as like, I mean, these last days were extremely uncomfortable. There were some amazing moments, but I would say a majority of them were like felt awful. And it, and he won all of the gold medals, um, that were in Tokyo and like still felt that way. So you don't, you don't really expect that, but, and you would hope, you know, going to the Olympics, this is a great event. This is the highlight of my career, all of these things. And it's going to be great. And I'm going to like make my feel the best that I possibly could feel. I'm, this is going to be the peak of my career. And more often than not, it's like, very uncomfortable the entire time so as long as you know that can happen and it's that's just almost a like a metaphor for my entire career my all any race that I compete in some of them I wake up and I I don't know whatever for whatever reason I feel like today's just another training day and I ski really well and the whole day flows really nicely and some days I wake up and I put my left boot on my right foot and from there it's just a little bit more of a struggle and like that's also generally speaking manageable sometimes. Well, I know we, you're going to watch this very closely, Peggy, uh, of course, how she performs, but also how the rest of the U.S. team and beyond performs. Let's have, take a look at the rest of the team. We've got Jackie Wiles coming back and I hope she never has another injury again in her life, poor girl. Yeah. And Breezy Johnson, too. I hope she uh, learned 
something from world championships. You know, I think she went into world championships last year as a medal contender. Um, not quite sure what happened, but I think she'll have some strong races this year. Um, you'll have to remind me who else is on the team. I don't have it in front of me. Uh, well, you said Breezy, um, uh, Jackie. Um, hmm. Oh, and uh, so they're in the speed realm. And then we've got Nina and Nina O'Brien and Paula Moulton um, on right. tech events. Yes. And Paula was on the podium um, for the first time this past year. And I think I think they both had really strong uh, training sessions, uh, some with Michaela this this summer and fall. So I think we can we can see them starting to work their way up into the top 15, hopefully the top 10. And we saw a retirement didn't we, last year from the U.S. team. Uh, yeah, we did, and that name's gone from me too. I'm having a senior moment today. Oh goodness! <laughs> we'll come back. Oh, to oh, that. Lo Lorraine Ross retired, didn't she? Lorraine, no, it wasn't Lorraine. Um, it wasn't Lorraine. Lorraine. Another skier. Um, and we'll think about it, and we'll come back to you with this. Um, this is the fun of recording live, you know, and it really does pull on the old memory. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's look at some of the other nations, Peggy, real quick. I, I'm, of course, a big fan of the Swiss team and Lara Gut, um, and and they've got such a strong team after last year. They, you know, they, they have the advantage, of course, of being based in Europe and having the, um, been able to get on snow, um, or, you know, most of the year. They didn't have to go to Chile or not. I mean, not, their travel wasn't as impeded as it was for you know, the North American skiers. So what what, what do you think um, they're going to look like coming out next week in Solden? Well, I don't know if – is Lara going to race in Solden? I don't know yet. I don't know if Lara um, will, no. Uh, I think Michelle – um, Jism will be there, and yep. she had a really strong year last year, and she's one of the few skiers, along with Michaela, who races all events. Yes. So I think we can see her as a contender for the overall. Mm -hmm. um, then there's Corinne Suter, who is a speed racer. She was right up there. She had I a think good season, didn't she, last year? She did, and I think she'll be challenging for the uh, – definitely maybe the downhill title mm -hmm. um but i think we we might see something from federica brignoni from from italy oh, she yes. was the overall winner in 2019 and um she's one of my favorite skiers she's <laughs> so bubbly and enthusiastic and i think she brings that to her skiing so it will be fun to see how she does this year as but of I course think does sophia goji i mean she she's such a bundle to to watch too uh hopefully she'll be injury free because yes. she got interrupted last year. With yes. And then on the, on the other end of the spectrum is the very serious, you know, Petra Volova, yes. who has started racing more speed events as well. Um, she won the overall last year. And I think, you know, she and Michaela, it'll be a, a Petra Michaela show. I think we can, I don't know if we can expect it, but we can look forward to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if the last couple of seasons are anything to go by, yeah, I think absolutely. Now, a lot to look forward to. I, I want to just talk briefly about the bobsled because we've got the, the Winter Olympics to start uh, thinking about, uh, not just in skiing, but with the other sports as well. And Kaylee Humphreys, who switched from Canada to the U.S. Uh, for bobsled, uh, she's waiting for her U.S. citizen for her passport before she can uh, confirm that she'll be going to Beijing. Any news of that, uh, Peggy? anxious time for her i talked to her last night and she is still waiting but she had a smile on her face and she said she's going you know she's she's 
done everything she needs to do, just like she does for bobsled. And she can just be hopeful that it will happen in time. Yeah, that really is a, a, a lot of sort of external pressure, isn't it? Something she has no control over. Right. And, uh, you know, she, it's unfortunately a bureaucracy has her future in their hands, and that's never a good feeling. <laughs> right. And I mean, and you, you mentioned before how this doesn't just affect her, it will affect fellow athletes too, who would be competing with her. It will. The U.S. team has six incredibly strong break women on the team, and there'll be six of them vying for three sleds. Uh, so if Kaylee doesn't make it to the Olympics, it's going to affect a potential break break woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I also spoke with Lolo Jones, who is going back to Beijing, hoping to finish off uh, the medal that she felt slipped through her hands at the 2008 summer games when she hit the last hurdle and uh, when she was in the lead. So she's hoping to finish her business uh, with, with the Olympics and with medals in Beijing this winter. But uh, she and Kaylee won a gold medal at the world championships last year. So she would be a strong contender to be in Kaylee's sled. And if Kaylee doesn't get her citizenship in time and her passport, then that affects more than just her. It's very frustrating for, for everybody, I think, right now on Team USA. Yeah, and I'm wondering, you know, Alana Myers-Taylor is also up there. Um, with She's on the on the roster for this, this winter, uh, and she has her little boy, Nico, and I'm wondering if they'll let her travel uh, with her baby for to, to, if they will have the same restrictions as they did in Tokyo. I also spoke with her last night, too, and she was standing in front of a wall with a Hello Kitty cartoon on it. <laughs> She's in Beijing right now uh, getting to, to view the track and, and, you know, test the track. So I think she had Nico with her at this time. So hopefully he'll be able to travel with her. Hopefully her husband will make the U.S. team mm -hmm. as well, and they can all go over as a family. Um, yeah. But she's back and going strong and... Um, you know, she and Kaylee are going to be right up there, you know, both two gold medal favorites. Yes. Yeah, they really are powerhouses, both of those women. Um, any other updates for us, uh, Peggy, when it comes to the snow sports? Well, uh, I have just talked to a few of the cross-country athletes. I think everybody that I've talked to and you know, is looking forward to winter and they haven't started racing yet, but I think everybody's optimistic um, in a much better place than we all were in a year ago. Um, most of them are vaccinated. So that's a good sign. You're going to have to be vaccinated to go to Beijing or you're going to have to quarantine for 21 days. So I'm hoping most of the athletes would be vaccinated, but um, no, I think everybody's just excited for, for competition to start. Um, and what are you expecting in terms of travel that might be different to what you experienced in Tokyo? Well, I'm hoping that the paperwork, the pre-travel paperwork is a little bit less. In Tokyo, they didn't require vaccinations, where Beijing, as I said, it, it will be required even for reporters and, and staff members. So I'm hoping it will just be easier logistically on the, the front end just to get there with our vaccine, vaccine cards and a negative COVID test and a passport and not have to jump through this rigmarole of a 14-day activity plan and apps to download and um, written pledges and languages we don't understand to sign. Um, that, that was all a bit crazy. So I'm hoping the travel will at least be more straightforward. Although I did hear that 
there will be no commercial flights going into Beijing and we'll be on charter flights. But oh, that's really? just a rumor right now. Wow. Yeah, this interesting times. We'll have to get you back on once the uh, we've had a few World Cup races, Peggy, and before you take off for, for Beijing next year, um, and just to get your sense of, of the form uh, of of our athletes going to Beijing, um, we, we can be we'll be dr be able to dr drill a little bit deeper, I would think, once we've uh, we've got some competitions uh, behind us to preview. I agree. The Be Beijing. Agree. Okay, shall we yeah. do that? We shall. I think everybody is optimistic about their training, but you never know the outcome of the training until, what do they say, the rubber hits the road. Rubber so it will be a good road. time to chat in a couple months. Yeah, the ski hits the snow, and hopefully <laughs> they keep the skis between themselves and the snow. Right, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, always great to catch up with you, Peggy. Thank you for taking time to do this. Thank you. Thank you for asking me to be on, and I'll chat with you soon. Yeah, we'll have you back in a few weeks' time. Take care. Enjoy okay. the changing season. Thank you. You as well. Well, we can take a short break and we'll be right back after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So, Nancy, we've got a load of other news, haven't we? Where are we going to start this week? Um, I think, should we start uh, with the NWSL? I think that's kind of been one of the... the Your favorite the, topics. Well, football, yeah. But, I mean, the, the story, the... Uh, the, the sexual misconduct allegations that seems to be um, kind of the biggest story in women's sport at the moment and something that's continuing kind of continuously producing these stories every week so um, yeah I, I think uh, the first um, there's been quite a few updates since we um, spoke last week about it um, so the first I think is that the um, NWSL has um, hired a new um an interim chief executive, uh, Salisa Bard, who uh, was in charge previously, um, resigned um, when all these allegations came out. Um, and she, so uh, Marla Messing has been appointed as the interim CEO. Um, she, I mean, obviously, this is a very kind of tricky situation to go straight into. Um, I mean, there's, obviously, there's been allegations from kind of a number of different clubs and it's obviously something that is structurally wrong um and then also i think the fact that she's interim as well means that she doesn't necessarily have the kind of you know um you know she she can't necessarily implement long-standing changes she she's not necessarily going to be there for a long time 
Um, but she's got um, quite significant experience within the sports industry um, and served as president and chief exec- executive officer of the 1999 FIFA Women's World Cup. So she has um, experience in women's football. Um, but yeah, then, then the NWSL are going to continue to search for a permanent commissioner. And like I said, there's kind of quite a big um, task on their hands uh, because, yeah, there's obvious structural reform that's needed there. Um, on the players' side, so after the you know allegations came out, the the players made a number of uh, demands, which included um, things like you know, kind of a place, a more of a structure for where players can go if they need to uh, report something, um, just stronger safeguarding policies, essentially. And uh, the NWSL and the Players Association uh, released a statement saying that they've made further progress towards reaching a resolution uh, towards these demands. So there is some progress uh, being made since the allegations first came out a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I see that also um, the NWSL has conceded that the players will have a meaningful role in the selection of that new commissioner. Yeah, I think that's something that's quite important. Um, obviously, they, well, uh, Alex Morgan, for instance, was very vocal about how she felt Lisa Bard, the previous NWSL commissioner, had failed the players when she received um, information or, you know, she received notice about the complaints and, and then proceeded to not do anything. Um, so I think, obviously, for the players to kind of feel that the person is in charge, they trust them to do the right job is obviously very important. So I think it's good that they've conceded that the players will have some kind of choice over who um, who is the next commissioner. Um, yeah, and, and internationally, I saw that FIFA is now expecting more abuse scandals to come out. Well, what do you have on that? I and mean, why are they expecting that? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we saw something really similar with when the gymnastics abuse cases, uh, normally when you have these cases come out in one country, it kind of triggers a, a domino effect. Um, and we've already seen some allegations emerge from um, Venezuela and also Australia. Um, the Australia situation was very, quite a, a strange situation because uh, Lisa Devanna, who was um, a former player who was quite a prolific player within the Matildas, the national setup. Um, she claimed she was bullied, sexually harassed and ostracised during her time with Australia, the Australian national team. Um, but weirdly, the, the current kind of the, the current players released a joint statement saying that um, obviously, you know, they stood against any kind of discrimination, but also kind of rallied around the team as in the, the national team setup by saying that none of them had ever experienced what Devanna had, had, was saying herself. So they almost kind of undermined what she'd been saying, which I thought was really, really strange. So I feel like there's probably going to be more coming out from that situation over there because it kind of, you know, not to make any big claims, but it kind of seemed like the Australian FA was, you know, wanted, wanted the players to put out this statement so it looked like everything was fine when actually there were quite some quite bad, serious allegations coming out. Um, but anyway, so the FIFA um, FIFA have said that they're expecting a lot more cases uh, to emerge from different countries. Um, so, I, yeah, I think, like I said, with the gym, gymnastics that happened, and I think it's kind of to be expected when you've got these, you know, these certain structures in place, which are obviously not working, 
it's not just specific to the US or Australia or Venezuela. Um, And and that leads me on to your next story that um, where Lucy Bronze, the England player who writes for your publication, Give Me Sport Women, uh, she said she took the NWSL scandal personally because it could have happened to anyone. Uh, Why has she come out to speak about that? Um, What's is there some experiences behind that? I don't think necessarily personally to her, but I think um, obviously this kind of, you know, every people that that and that are WSL here have you know teammates, former teammates in the NWSL, or just friends, or maybe national teammates. Um, so they've you know obviously kind of it probably hit quite close to home, and there were the 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 WSL standard in unit stood in unity with the NWSL. Um, before their matches uh, the weekend before last. Um, And yeah, I think Lucy was just saying that in football, it could happen to anyone, like I was saying, because, you know, there's there's these kind of... The culture at the moment means that it could happen in any team to anyone. And because the safeguarding policies aren't properly in place, you know, it could happen to anyone. Um, And she also said herself, similar to what FIFA have said, um, that the chances are there are more stories that haven't been told um, and there's more kind of in- instances like this across the world that they we just don't know about yet. Um, and then she was she kind of raised about the importance as, as well of why the WSL teams decided to stand in unity with the NWSL um, to make sure that things didn't go quiet and that the right protocol was put in place so that similar situations didn't happen again. So, I mean, it's great to have... The same as Alex Morgan did as well, how outspoken she has been and how much she's holding the NWSL to account. I think it's great that players of such high profile are, want, are wanting to speak out about it and make sure that similar things don't happen again by, you know, just using their voice when they can. Yeah, it really comes down to the solidarity between these players, as you say, that a lot of them know each other you know, the, uh, internationally as well. A lot of them are friends, even partners, right? I mean, there's a there's a tremendous sisterhood within women's football. Yeah, definitely. And I've, I think, like, you know, Lucy in the column said about taking it personally, I think that is why, because there is this big unity. Um, obviously, it's not easy to be a women's footballer, you, you know, you struggle with things, just basic things like being paid fairly, having the right resources, you know, obviously getting abuse just for doing your job. So I think that kind of brings the players closer together. And then, yeah, when something like this happens, I think they just all want to stand up for each other, basically. Well, we've got one more f- football story before we move on, and and that is, is a continuation of the story we uh, we discussed oh, a couple of weeks ago, if not more. Um, and and this comes back to the former uh, USWNT coach Jill Ellis now, um, because she's in a position of uh, at the table, uh, the top table, uh, talking about the biennial Women's World Cup um, that that we, as I say, we had mentioned this before, but she had things to say about this too, didn't she? Yeah, so she um, was kind of gave a media briefing yesterday um, about this proposed biennial World Cup, which I think is fair to say is not popular at all. <laughs> uh, I think there's numerous reasons why people aren't don't really want it to happen, and that's you know the the comp- the the congestion of the competition schedule. If you had a World Cup every two years, I think athlete welfare. Uh, I think the idea that FIFA are saying they want to do it to promote women's football, but 
it's probably more that they want to do it because they make more money from it. Um, so it's kind of whether they have the best interests in mind or not when they're putting this proposal forward. Right. Um, so yeah, Jill Ellis essentially kind of had to defend this idea. Um, she she kind of spoke about the idea that obviously you know there's the Olympics, which is a really important tournament for um, for women's football, but it's only twelve teams, so it's quite limited in that sense. You know, you only had three teams from Europe. Well, if you had a World Cup. Um, you would have maybe 16 teams, you know, you'd give more teams essentially the opportunity to to play uh, international football at the highest level. And then she just kind of said, you know, about the benefits of the World Cup normally is that uh, you get viewership goes up, you know, all kind of the records for people watching women's football from the World Cups. Um, leagues are started in different countries. Uh, players are discovered. Um, and that there's so many positives. Um, but she does say that it's it's not a foregone conclusion that this is going to happen and there is going to be a, a vote on it ultimately. But I think, I don't know, just, just when people want to do something, they just normally just do it and they don't really take other people's opinions into consideration. In my, in my eyes, this is going to happen regardless of whether, you know, people are against it or not. So I think when Jilla Ellis says that it's not a foregone conclusion... I think that's got to kind of be taken with a bit of a pinch of salt. Um, but I personally don't really want to see it happen, so I'm hoping that it doesn't. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see with that one. All right. Well, that's all our football news for this week. We're going to move on to gymnastics again. And uh, the F- International Federation has unveiled 10 golden rules of gymnastics in response to abuse scandals. It's come to that, Nancy. What's the details on that? Yep. So... Um, yeah, this is essentially an awareness campaign launched by the International Gymnastics Federation, um, which gives um, basically ensures that people can take part in gymnastics in a safe and respectful environment. Um, this, as, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this has kind of come from the wave of um, abuse allegations that emerged last year. So obviously starting in the US. Um, and then also kind of coming out in uh, Britain, I think Greece, uh, Australia, the Netherlands, New Zealand and Switzerland um, and many more countries. Uh, gymnasts was speaking about the quite traumatic experiences they had they had at the hands of their coaches or, or while taking part of gymnastics. Um, so essentially the kind of 10, these 10 golden rules are um, a code of contact, conduct and uh, they feature things such as um, I do gymnastics for fun. Uh, I pursue my own dreams, not someone else's. Uh, I know that I will have good days and tough days. Uh, I will listen to my body and I balance my passion for gymnastics with other big goals in my life. Uh, and also the campaign emphasizes my health is more important than medals. So it's, I think it's essentially just trying to change this win at all cost culture, which is yeah. been the kind of main reason I think for a lot of these abuse cases um but the fig has said that changing people's minds cannot be done overnight with a magic wand and it will take time but it does seem like they are trying to implement a culture change at least yes uh, yeah it's interesting even though they've admitted that it will take time to move away from the old harmful training methods uh, i'm sure that applies to a lot of sports but it's very sad to to you know, to read that there, there will be some resistance to shift away from that, you know, that there won't be an overnight switch on this. It's, as they said, it's just not going to happen overnight. 
yeah I think that's kind of yeah important to remember it's obviously things that same with the NWSL as well it's it's things that are entrenched and you need to have a big kind of shake up and and it takes time but hopefully we're we're yeah starting to move away from it now so you know children now that are getting into sport won't have to have the same experiences as, as other athletes have Absolutely. Well, that's a lot of hard news to start the show off this week. We're going to turn now to some soft news and some tennis results because there was a great win there for Spain at the Indian Wells Masters. Yeah, so uh, Paula Badosa, um, she won Indian Wells. She became the first ever Spaniard, Spaniard to uh, win the tournament um, and she beat uh, Victoria Azarenka um, in three sets. It was quite a very tightly hotly contested um match so it was seven six uh two six seven six so two tie breaks um and people i, I didn't get a chance to watch it unfortunately because it was in the, in the middle of the night but people that watched it said it was uh one of the, the best epic tennis matches they've seen so it was yeah, match i think kind of branded match of the year um so obviously yeah really really hotly contested but bedoza eventually came out on top and yeah, she's experiencing quite a rise up the rankings at the moment. I think she's now moved into um, world number 13, so up 14 places in the rankings. Um, and yeah, just another, yet another young tennis player who's who's performing really well. So yeah, interested to see how she, um, I think normally with a lot of the Spanish players, they kind of prefer the clay court and do better at events like the French Open and Madrid Open and in Italy. Um, so, it, yeah, it's interesting to see she's she's done well on, on hard court there. And, yeah, hopefully she'll be at the Australian Open and we can see how she does at a Grand Slam. Yes, for sure. Another player that jumped up the ranking six places was uh, Ons Jabur, the Tunisian player who was in Indian Wells as well. So there's you know, a lot of new talent there to keep an eye on. It will be fun watching these going to, to uh, Australia. And that will happen just at the turn of the year. We come out of the holidays and suddenly it's the Australian Open. All that to look forward to. And and, and big news, um, of course, on this side of the pond last weekend when Chicago won the first WNBA title, winning the, over Phoenix Mercury. Uh, that I mean, I don't know if you saw any of the scenes from that. Do you get any coverage of uh, our WNBA over there? Um, it's mostly on uh, social media. So not on TV, but I saw a yeah I saw a, a lot of <laughs> coverage of it on social media, and I think uh, it was Candice Parker with her daughter. Yeah. Um, the video, the clip of that, that was that was really nice to see. Obviously, very emotional scenes, and yeah, it looked like they had a had a really good celebration afterwards. Huge celebration, yeah. They, um, you could fairly say they went wild after that win for, uh, for the first time. They took that title, and it's hugely. <laughs> Excuse me, that's hugely prestigious here, you know, the, the WNBA title. Um, the Phoenix Mercury uh, is a team uh, out of Florida, and we've talked to their coach, Sandy Brundell, uh, on the show before now, and, uh, uh, of course, she, she was on the losing side there, but she's Australian. I don't know if you know Sandy, but uh, we've, we've had her on one of our shows. And we've also had Candice Parker on. She gave us a very, very, very uh, up-close and personal interview on the CWSA podcast.
podcast uh, a few weeks ago. So you can check back and listen to that if you're a basketball fan. Uh, they're all at wisports.com and, and Wisports on your podcast app. Uh, so we're moving from basketball to rugby now because good news about the, uh, the rugby as a fast-growing sport and then they've announced the Rugby 7 Series as well from the HSBC, I should say, World Rugby 7, Seven Series for 2022. So uh, I think that's our last... No, that, that's our last uh, sports story. Uh, no, I should take team sports story this week, uh, Nancy. Uh, you, you, you've you've read that about that was in the Guardian, I think. Um, I've got a bit of a gripe with the Guardian, the British newspaper. Do you get their newsletter? Oh, I don't. But I have seen you. You've tweeted about this. Um, yeah, they don't really include much women's sport in their newsletters, do they? No, one story in ten will be women's sport. Yeah. That's not. I mean, it should be five, shouldn't it? It should be fifty percent. Should be equal. Yeah. 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 It's not as if they're short of of news, but they did cover no. this um, this piece about women's rugby being the fastest growing sport. So now it's time to invest. Did you see that? I did see it. Yeah, and I thought it was uh, really interesting. There was a section talking about um, the fact that a lot of players are still part time. Um, and that is something that just can't, you know, that, that dilemma between juggling a job and uh, rugby and, you know, being able to do that, that it can't last indefinitely. You know, that something about that's got to change. You've got to be able to give them full-time contracts. Obviously, yeah, the money has to go come first. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it, they go on to say that the financial side of it is progressing. But the financial side of it is struggling. So there's, you know, not enough money going in to give the players full-time salaries. So there's kind of a bit of a a gulf, I think, with the maybe coverage they're receiving and like going on, on telly and stuff like that. And then I think, you know, we've seen it with the Six Nations where Wales are kind of getting thrashed because they, they're they not part, they're not full-time players. So I thought that aspect of it was really interesting. You know, you've kind of got it progressing, but there's there's still massive issues that need to be fixed. Otherwise, it's it's a bit of a kind of... Yeah, not everyone's benefiting from this progression. No, no, exactly. And, of course, we've watched the Sevens game grow enormously um, over here and grow in popularity too. Uh, And I know they're getting ready to kick off that HSBC World Rugby Sevens series that starts in Dubai next month. And our own her podcast hosts here, Naya Tapper and Alona Meyer, are on that team. <clears throat> They're really getting down to training now after their Olympic break. So there'll be 11 core women's teams after the Dubai events, um, and those will be Australia, Brazil, Canada, England, Fiji, France, Ireland, New Zealand, Russia, Spain, and the USA. Now, New Zealand's Black Fern Sevens will be aiming to defend their title after they were crowned champions last year, if you remember, if you're a rugby fan. Yeah. And next year. Yeah. And and next year, of course, will be the Commonwealth Games. After the series finished, they'll be going in July to Birmingham for that and concluding with the Rugby World Cup Sevens in Cape Town in September. So they've got a really busy year next year. Yeah, big year and obviously great to see things going back to normal a bit after kind of a COVID-impacted season. Um, And yeah, really, I mean, I'm excited to hopefully be able to go to the Commonwealth Games myself and see some rugby sevens there because I'm a a big fan of the sport. 
Good. Oh, good. Well, we'll expect full reports then next July. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot of sports news this week, uh, as always. But Nancy, um, our final story this week is a is a tragic story. Yeah, it's um, very sad. Um, yeah, so uh, the Kenyan uh, long-distance runner, Agnes Tirop, uh, she was found dead in her home, um, I think it was a few days ago. Um, I think it's transpired since that she was um, murdered by her husband. But it's, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, I think he's currently in um, being held by police and they're kind of getting to the bottom of it. It's very sad. This is such a big loss of talent. Um, she'd only just kind of finished fourth at the in the five thousand meters at the Tokyo twenty twenty Olympic Games, and had also uh, earned two bronze medals at the World Athletics Championships, um, the most recently in twenty nineteen. So, and she, only twenty five. Obviously, a very young talent, kind of up and coming talent, um, and yeah, really, really devastating news. I think uh, Kenya. Athletic, uh, the governing body for athletics in Kenya, um, wrote, Kenya has lost a jewel who has who was one of the fastest rising athletics giants on the international stage. So I think everyone there seems, I've seen other athletes in Kenya and just around the world kind of react to the news and very, very sad. So, yeah. Absolutely but, tragic. And, and she was killed just a month after she broke the uh, 10K world record in Germany. Yeah. So she managed to break the record in it was she ran it in 30 minutes and one second, which is 28 seconds of the previous record set in 2002. So, yeah, so very obviously the talent kind of cut short there. And um, yeah, very sad news. Very, very sad news to end on. Well, speaking of running, how's the marathon running going, Nancy? You've got the bug now, haven't you? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, two weeks ish since I've done did the London marathon. So it's kind of been recovery a bit. Um, been doing a few five K's. I did actually did park run for the first time, which is, I don't know if, I think you have it in the U S but I don't know if it's that well known, but it's, yeah, uh, do. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like an organized five K every Saturday morning, because Saturday, it's, it's 9am on a Saturday morning, which is not the most, uh, sociable time in the world, but I didn't do anything on Friday evening. So I thought I'd, I'll get up and, do the park run on Saturday morning. Uh, and it was, yeah, the first one I ever did. So I think I've obviously done running the wrong way round because I think people normally start with stuff like park runs and then move up to the marathon. Um, but yeah, I had a, I, it was really nice. I had a really good time and it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's quite nice. I think once you get the bug of running with other people, uh, it's quite motivating as well because you want to beat people. <laughs> um but yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully I've entered the ballot for the London Marathon next year and considering a few others. So hopefully I'll have something to start training towards again because it's yeah, yeah a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Now that you've got the the bug, you need you need that uh, you know you need to get back into training right with that goal. It's having the goal, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like having the focus, and it yeah. definitely motivates you. Like it's, I think it'd be very hard to go out and do like a three hour run. Um, if you didn't have that motivate that ultimate motivation of, of aiming for a race so yeah. yeah it'd be nice to get something in the diary even if it's next next summer or next autumn right all right well we'll follow that journey with you with you once you start training again meanwhile I do have a goal of my own next week I'm going to be cycling the 
was quite well known here, the Virginia Creeper Trail, which is on uh, the Virginia-North Carolina border. And it's a 35-mile ride from the top of the mountain, White Top Mountain, down through Damascus to Abingdon. Um, and apparently it's absolutely beautiful at this time of year, of course, with the leaves changing as well. This is the time to do it. But it, it's a coincidence, it's a purely timing coincidence that I'm doing the Creeper Trail over Halloween. Oh, yeah, of course. Wow. <laughs> so who knows what I will find on that trip down the mountain. Uh, yeah, that sounds really fun. So, so yeah. good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's going to be great, great fun. So that's uh, a little bit of mountain biking, but easy. I mean, it's downhill most of the way, so not too hard. I'm certainly not going to do it uphill. Uh, apparently people don't do it. Not You know, it's, it's a steep mountain. So looking forward to that. Um, that will be next week, but uh, we'll have another show next week before I do that, and, we'll, and that will be uh, recorded next Tuesday. We record on a Tuesday and the show goes out on a Wednesday. So if you have any story ideas or anything that you think we should be covering, do drop us a line to info at wispsports.com. You can also follow us on social media at wispsports and leave your comments and questions there and it also helps other people to find the show if you leave us a review or a rating on itunes so if you have a moment to do that we would love that thank you so much for your support as always and nancy remind everybody as you sign off this week uh, where they can find you and how they can follow you yep so i'm um on twitter at, um, at nancy underscore gillen um on instagram as at nancy gillen underscore sport and then um i write for give me sport women so everything can be found there and our twitter handle is at give me sport w and before we go in case you're wondering who that skier that was that i referred to earlier who retired last season that was the american alice mckinnis and we'll be back with more news from around the world of women's sports this time next week until then thank you for listening Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.